Welcome to the HBCU Podcast. I'm so excited because you're listening to episode 30. If you're an avid listener or just joining us for the first time, here we're joined by some awesome HBCU grads in the form of co-host and guest. We also focus on all the great things HBCU alumni are doing in this world. On this episode, we speak with Rashawn Ali. She's a graduate of Florida A&M University. Rashawn is a media maven, having worked in all facets of media, including radio, television, and podcasting. She's currently the host of the very popular Cool Soror podcast and co-host on TV One's hit daytime talk show, Sister Circle. During this episode, we discuss her HBCU experience, her career in entertainment, and she blesses us with endless words of wisdom. Keep listening. It's the HBCU Podcast. I am Rashawn Ali, and I am a 1997 graduate of the Florida A&M University uh, on the highest of seven hills in Tallahassee, Florida. I have a Bachelor of Science in Broadcast Journalism. Well, Rashawn, thank you so much for being a part of the HBCU podcast. I just wanted you to know um, your podcast is one of the reasons that I started my (gasps) podcast. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yes, because, um, well, see, I didn't even do introductions earlier. I am a soror of Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority (gasps) also. (laughs) See, you're tripping. Why didn't we do that when we first met in the lobby? Hello. Well, hello, cool soror. So I remember seeing the uh, cool sore and I was like, oh, I love that. And saw the podcast yeah. and listened to the podcast. And I was like, you know what? This is something I would love to do as I well. I love it. But, I'm, you know, found my niche. Yes, absolutely. And this is a beautiful niche. When you guys reached out, um, I was like, yeah, I sure would love to be a part of that. I think that, you know, HBCUs um, need to be showcased. They need to be highlighted. And especially the amazing alumni of each of our great organizations. So I'm so glad you're doing this. Yes. Yes. Nice. Okay. So we're going to start off, I guess, just quickly for the folks who may, um, they should, but may not know who you are. You are born and raised here in Atlanta, Georgia, right? Yes. I was born in Atlanta, raised in Decatur. I I claim, I mean, I'm not claim. I am the east side. So, um, yeah, I've been able to see the growth of Atlanta, but really, uh, stay true to who I am and everything that I do because I am and have been born in this city and uh, you know uh, and, my, and my swag comes from the east side Decatur. <laughs> I love it. Now because this is all about HBCUs you're an Atlanta Decatur native mm-hmm. You were surrounded by nothing but HBCUs. Yeah. Uh, well not nothing but HBCUs but a lot. Yes. So what made you of all the, the HBCUs that are in this area, choose Florida A&M. So I didn't want to stay in Georgia. I, was re- I did not want to stay in Atlanta. Plus, Spellman's application was very long. <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't meant for me. I love uh, all of my uh, my folks who I know who have gone to Spellman. I love Spellman College just, just in general. But I just knew I wanted to leave Atlanta. So I, I my parents went to H- an HBCU. They went to Delaware State University. So all I knew growing up is, yeah, I want to do that. And then when the different world came out, I was like, oh, I definitely (laughs) got to go to an HBCU. There was no question. So I I actually applied to Jackson State, North Carolina A&T, 
Tennessee State, and Florida A&M. So I got accepted into the academic program at Jackson State, got accepted into A&T, and I was actually going to Tennessee State. My brother went to Tennessee State. He played okay. football there. So by the time I was 14, I was up there at TSU, like, I'm going to be a Tiger. And everybody <laughs> knew me. My brother was on the football team, like, all of that. And so in my high school yearbook, I was the homecoming queen. It says, Rashawn Ali Godfrey will be attending uh, Tennessee State to major in speech pathology and theater. But my SAT score shot up after okay. that uh you know submission uh-huh. and um the 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 swim coach at Florida A&M found out that I was a swimmer and researched me and he was like hey I got a full scholarship and then school of journalism um I applied for a scholarship there got a scholarship in, in the school of journalism and then I got a presidential scholarship so all of this when I went from my parents they're gonna have to pay at right. Tennessee State to everything being paid for plus money left over so yeah Florida A&M it was plus my god sister and my godmother all Florida A&M so I used to go to their homecomings uh-huh. and everything so it was always you know a, a toss-up but fam you won and I do not regret that one day yeah. So you have HBCU legacy oh, happening yes. in the family, Tennessee State, Delaware yes. State. Yes. So you had no choice, huh? Well, <laughs> I didn't want, I wanted to, like, the HBCU experience, as I know you have heard from all of your guests and what you've experienced yourself, it's, there's nothing like it. Right. You know, you know, people talk about academics and what is your resume going to look with Claflin or family? Let me tell you something. The experience that you get at an HBCU is uh, it's incomparable. You learn what I learned is the beauty of black people Mm -hmm. and learning who I am by what I saw. You saw people from all socioeconomic backgrounds. I remember going to class with a dude from Miami. He had a big car with the big (laughs) wheels, the shocks and all that, mouthful of gold, orange Reeboks, but was the smartest person in the class. And I had the the rich dudes from Detroit who had, you know, who parents had all the money in Chicago and everybody in between. And you learn to love everybody. And it made me love myself even more. So you mentioned that um, speech pathology and all that that you were looking into, but you ended up doing broadcast journalism. Yeah. What initially attracted you to this particular field that, of course, you're working in yeah. now, but what, what attracted you to that? Well, I think back then, um, you know, I always had this gift of uh, wanting to be in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew at the age of three that I wanted to do something that was in front of the camera, um, and so while I wanted to do theater, I just, I don't think that I got the, you know, how your parents are like, what are you going to do with that? Right. You know? And I think, yeah, exactly. And so, um, I think I just changed it, but in retrospect, of course, you know, I would love to have majored a little, like literally maybe gotten a double major in theater mm-hmm. as well. Um, but broadcast journalism was, I thought was the closest to being on the theater but then having a good job like kind of thing that was like in the middle and so I went after it and like my freshman year I was on the radio in Tallahassee um our campus radio station I was on a local television show called on the set like I went in as with anything in life um I I, I go after it mm-hmm. and so uh that has just been part of who I am and my character since you know I can remember 
Nice. Yeah. So what did you have in mind when you chose that major and then after kind of working in that major while you were in college, mm-hmm. what did post-graduation look like for you? What did you think, hey, as soon as I get Let my walk across something. the stage, this is what I'm doing? Let me tell you. Well, as soon as I crossed, uh, walked across the stage, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be on a talk show <laughs> at 21. You know what I'm saying? I'm supposed to be it. And yeah. no, But my dream was to, to go to film school. I actually applied to several film schools, um, really wanted to be a director. Okay. And I got into American University in D.C. And uh, went to D.C. and visited the school. I was like, yeah, this is about to be my life. I'm going to live in D.C. What about to do? I'm going to get my Master's of Arts and, and, <laughs> and filmmaking. I'm like a black woman. This was the 90s. This was 1990. This would have been 1997. Right. But my mama said no. Oh. Yeah. Your same reaction was mine, too, because she had no real explanation. And she hates that this is a part of my story, but it is. But, uh, you know, later she told me that was one of the greatest mistakes she made as a parent. Mm -hmm. But that is all I wanted to do. Even the the line that I pledged, the Spring 97 line, I was their assistant dean. Oh, sorry. uh, (laughs) Co-membership chair. And uh, they they brought me a director's chair that said, Big Sister Tight to Death. Everybody knew that's what I wanted to do and what I was going to do. So that changed the entire trajectory of my life because I had to come back home and I'm like, I wanted to go to film school. I didn't have a plan B. This was it. And so I worked a lot. I did a lot of things outside of my major work. The Atlanta Board of Education and accounts payable. I don't even like numbers. Nope. (laughs) Give me words to talk to, you know, to to speak on. Didn't like that. Um, I worked as uh, the personal assistant to Lisa Left Eye Lopez um, and TLC before she passed away. Worked at music. I worked at record labels, music um, stores and malls, all that. And then uh, I heard about a competition on a radio station uh, with uh, Ryan Cameron, who's legendary in radio here, and uh, went out like American Idol style and won. And that changed my whole life. That's what's kind of like got your career rolling. Yep, at 26 years old, it got my career going. And you don't start in a top 10 market um, as your first job. That's very rare. And so I started in a top 10 market on a very popular radio station. I mean, they were top three, 18 to 34 in their demo. Ryan Cameron, very popular radio personality, and I became his co-host, along with one of my great friends. Her name is CJ, but she was more like, um, she did a lot of the um, stuff out in the streets, and she was a co-host as well, but I was kind of like the main co-host, mm-hmm. but it just, it really, truly became the the the, um, the role in my life or, this, or the opportunity in my life that catapulted my career. Yeah. Now, you said you walked across the stage 21, you got this job 26. What was going through your head as you were working as the personal assistant and working at the uh, mm-hmm. Atlanta Board of Education? Mm-hmm. What was going through your head? Because we always think we're jumping right into it. Yeah. We, get, we have that kind of society where we want microwave oven yeah. kind of success. Mm-hmm. So what was your train of thought as you were just kind of going along doing these jobs that had nothing to do with your major? Man, you know what? I remember almost vividly I was working because I had two stints at the Atlanta Board of Education so okay. I, went, I was at the Atlanta Board of Education then I worked at Fox Sports South and I worked as Lisa's assistant then I worked at LaFace Records and then L.A. Reed and Babyface sold uh, LaFace Records back to um, Clive Davis at Arista and so most of us in the Atlanta office lost our jobs especially lower level I oh, was okay. um, in the music video department so I was responsible for getting all the videos done and all that kind of stuff and so I was trying to you know figure out life after LaFace because I was driving. I was in first class, you know, doing videos in L.A. with Pink and Tony Braxton, and I'm 23 years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm living it, and now I don't have nothing. Yeah. And so I'm living with my brother. Um, he's a computer analyst. We're doing 
doing well. You know, he's doing well. And here I am, the creative one, like, this girl, here she go again. So then my parents called our family friend, and he rest in peace, uh, Danny. And he's like, yeah, that girl need another job. So let, literally went back to the Atlanta Board of Education. Mm-hmm. And I told God, I'm like, God, if this is what you wanted to be, right. then, I mean, let me just at least – um, showcase my skills and so I got with like the video production department at um, Atlanta Board of Education. Just always found your way. I found too. my way <laughs> and so I produced a piece called Succeed with Creed. It was a new program that they had and I um, allowed one of, not allowed one of, I, I hired one of the guys who I had done a film with years ago. We did it and it was a, gr- I mean it was the bomb but I think God needed to see me be okay mm-hmm. with where I was before he could elevate me. And so um, that is so like that. If I could do impart anything on anyone who's in that age, right, right out of school, and things aren't clicking, um, in retrospect, I needed to be okay with where I was. Mm-hmm. And once you're okay with where you are, gratefulness, yeah, like being grateful in your space, then and only then will you elevate to the next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's such good advice because mm-hmm. I mean coming up when you came up and even when I came up social media wasn't big like that and right. you didn't have the opportunity to keep up with what your friends were doing after college right. and so now that's a little bit harder it is. for everybody to kind of just operate and be okay where they are because they're looking at all the everybody other people else. yeah around yeah. them and then it was like that with me too but I had to understand that you cannot look around you got to con- continuously look up yeah. and look forward because one of my line sisters is like big time at forward and my mom used to say oh Krista she got her good job and she's doing well at forward I'm thinking here I go with my little creative self I'm just trying to I just want to live you know and so it was hard to right. to to not compare yourself you know even then without social media but I'm sure like you said it's much harder now but you still you gotta you gotta stay your course right yeah that's important yeah so uh, fast forward just a little bit you you've worked uh in radio and mm-hmm. then you moved on to do some really great things in broadcast so yes. it's sports reporting yeah. and uh for cnn and headline news and the list goes on how was that something that you got into because mm. sports specifically I've, I've heard now that you're you're a big yeah. athlete um yeah. and sports fanatic so how did that transpire well my dad is a legendary high school football coach um, in DeKalb County. He's the winningest high school football coach in DeKalb County history. He sent over 300 boys to college on football scholarships. And not only that, I mean, he helped numerous, um, I mean, young men and women get Mm -hmm. to college. He's an English teacher, you know, one of those old school hard-nosed coaches, like will make the kids hit the building, like as an exercise (laughs) on defense, you know. And so I grew up in a a house full of sports. My mom actually coached Pop Warner football. Her team went undefeated. So, you know, sports has always been like, or have always been like a huge um, played a huge role in our entire lives like all of us and so my brother and I like my parents put us into sports so early mm-hmm. swimming uh, I swam um, started swimming competitively when I was five oh, wow. uh, I played soccer basketball softball and it's just it's just it's it's who I am. It's the fabric of who I am. So sports came really naturally to me. And so when I got the opportunity to audition for Ryan Cameron's show, I was like, I can't be like anybody else. I'm going to do sports because yeah. that's my thing. Um, and went in and was a sports reporter. I did the sport daily sports update for mm-hmm. the radio show. And so he became the PA announcer for the Atlanta Hawks. And the Atlanta Hawks, they were looking for a sideline reporter to do inter-arena 
in arena stuff. And okay. I became like one of the first sideline reporters they had uh, in the arena. And so that catapulted me into NBA TV and doing other stuff um, at, on other networks. And so that was kind of like the beginning of how my sports life started. I just, quote unquote, ended my sports life. I did a whole lot of stuff in between. Gotcha. Yeah, but that's what kind of got me into it. Now, how have you been able to kind of like just parlay your broadcast education into so many facets? Is it is it mostly for you? Well, of course, talent, but mm-hmm. how important are like relationships or have relationships been for you kind of like, you know, jumping around from the yeah. different uh, spaces? It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I got a lot going on. Had a lot going on. <laughs> relationships are everything. Yeah. I probably I know I can call anybody that I've worked with in the past and get back on or get uh, or have uh, or um you know if if i needed a favor mm-hmm. it's everything but it's also who i am yeah. like i'm just i'm cool so <laughs> it's really you know just kind of just the person i am and the way i was raised by my parents um to treat everybody the same whether you know whether you where wherever you are in this societal hierarchy whether you are an amazing um you know head of custodial services or the you know the ceo in the c-suite everyone deserves to be treated the same and and that's what i do i treat everybody with dignity and i can say that wholeheartedly you can ask anybody that knows me they will say that about me and I'm, I'm very proud of that yeah yeah that's definitely something we believe because after you went to show us in Hydea who's with me is my co-producer mm-hmm. she said that's so nice she gave us a hug she doesn't <laughs> even know us like that she gave us a hug <laughs> right yeah that's just me and then I and then I'm it's crazy because I've been having this chronic back pain so I'm not even like a hundred and hundred percent oh honey I would have been I'm like come on girl give me some more <laughs> give me that cheek yeah I'm just a loving person I love yeah. that yeah I love that so now um, we couldn't talk or chat at all on this podcast without talking about your podcast, Yay. which um, I that's how I really got familiar with podcasting and got inspired to actually podcast is from hearing your uh, podcast, Cool Soror. Yes. So tell everybody about how Cool Soror Start, came about. Let me tell you, this is crazy. This is a true story. So I'm literally walking up to top, top golf. Where do you guys live? Are you are you? We, we live in Augusta. OK, live in Augusta. Mm-hmm. So. So I'm walking up to Top Golf a little, you know, Top Golf the way you play golf and all that kind of stuff. And I had on this was winter time. Had on some Uggs and like these camouflage pants. And I had um, one of the uh, one of the guys who you guys should interview. His name is Keenan um, Thompson. Yeah, um, sure. He is no, he's not Keenan Thompson. Keenan Johnson. Sorry, he is the brand. Uh, curator of Never Sold Dope. He went to Clark Atlanta University. Okay. And he's also a music ex- exec. So I had on a sweatshirt, because I love sweatshirts, and said, Never Sold Dope. My hair was like real fly. Had on a little Louis backpack. And I said to myself, man, I'm such a cool sore <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and so I told my business partner, AJ, I was like, yeah, you know, I want to do cool sore. I think I should just do t-shirts, and then I don't have to get anybody's permission from their national body, because I'll just do the colors. Right. He was like, yeah, that was cool. You know, that's cool. And he had been trying to push me to do a podcast, but I was like, who wants to listen to me what's going to be my niche all that call me back two weeks later he was like you know that cool sore concept you told me. like what if you did that in podcast form and you interview men and women and greek letter organizations i was like man you right what a novel idea and what a novel idea and literally i went into top golf well when, that night i went to top golf because of the t-shirt thing in my head and reserved everything i could think of i went to GoDaddy and got the website i went to instagram i went to twitter and i reserved all of those things and that's how i started and you know um 
two years later, here we are. Very popular. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I hear so many people talking about it. Yay. And I know a few people who have been on there. I was like, oh, you were on Rashawn's yeah. podcast. Yeah. We got to have you on now, cross promotion. Yes. Talk about your it. story. I love it. Yes. So, podcasting, while we're there, I, I just want to chit chat a little bit about it. Go ahead, it. ask me anything. I know everything. <laughs> Because um, it's interesting that someone who has had a background like you have, you've worked in radio, you've worked um, in broadcast and you know, just the media in general. Talk about if at all there was any kind of like trepidation when it came to podcasting, because it was such a new space it for is. the most part, especially for a lot of African-American people. Um, and what was your was there a learning curve for you? Does, does someone kind of like produce for you in the beginning? Like what was your whole journey like? So I taught. Well, AJ, who's an amazing uh, marketer, uh, business person, uh, he's my business partner. And so he was he you know, he had done some, some podcasting himself or just done some research. He's like, this is the microphone you get. This is that and this is the other. So GarageBand on my Apple, uh, on my Mac, I taught myself. I went to YouTube and taught myself how to record on GarageBand. And then we've got we got interns to, to help us upload, okay. and, you know, that kind of stuff. And my one of my former in, uh, interns at one of the radio stations I work with is now like my main producer. He huh. edits all my shows. And all of that, and so he's um, he is super fantastic, and so is and so is uh, my intern or co-producer um, Latasha Ford. So right now, which is interesting that you ask, I'm just trying to keep my mojo, yeah. honestly, because you and I just want you to be, you know, this is almost a warning. Like you you're gonna you're gonna get tired. You're gonna get tired, especially because you don't you know the reward is there. The reward is when you came in and said. I started my podcast because I heard yours yeah. or you were one of the reasons why I started. That's the reward. But financially, it just doesn't come that fast. Who you telling? And <laughs> uh, it's been a long time. And, you know, but then I also have to think more strategically. Like, am I really leveraging my brand like I used to? Some people say I'm humble to a fault, which is my parents have said that. Like, because I don't mm -hmm. be like, I'm like, yeah, I'm Sean Ali. Let me get this money for, you know. Right. You know, and I don't have that person in place that can speak that language either so i would say as you continue to um, matriculate through this um you know get you a salesperson mm -hmm. that can say hey she's doing this is what they're doing this hbcu podcast she's at this 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 person and that's what we're in the process of doing really getting a, a, a salesperson who has done radio sales yeah to try to get and then it's a new media and people are like still like what yeah. is so what is easy. it especially black folks right and like so you want me to spend money i'm like yeah i have six hundred thousand unique downloads like that you will not get that type of attention on mainstream radio right. because when you hear those 15 second spots on mainstream radio it's very rarely that there's, you know, that you get some residual from that spot. Absolutely. But on a podcast, you can't, you can see the results. It's more personal and you know you have a concentrated market. You know that every week somebody's downloading your podcast right. for sure. You're just not sure who's going to hear that commercial on the radio. Yeah. Terrestrial radio, commercial radio. So while it's still a great art form, I think podcasting has given people a voice that they just didn't hear on radio, given people a voice what they want to talk about you got murder mysteries you got breaking down of hip-hop um it albums. goes deep i mean the dissect podcast one of my favorite podcasts with cole kushnell you have the hbcu podcast you know you have so many different um areas and then i thought i'm like man is it becoming too concentrated or whatever i still we still have stories to tell right there are people that need to hear these stories and that's what keeps me going although have i will tell you i have gotten very tired so i went from going once a week 
to twice a week and I think I'm going to go back to one so that I can just yeah. handle it all with my life changed mm -hmm. when sister circle took off and so um, I was just able to just be in the gathering spot interviewing people all week because I didn't have a quote unquote you know right. day job but now I got a full time gig and so trying to balance the two is, is has been difficult but I'm, I'm still trying to push out the content Yes, I love that. That That's one of the things a lot of people don't know about it. It's like, because we were doing weekly, and I was like, oh, my goodness, what are you thinking? Yes, Like, that's crazy. It is serious. <laughs> I was doing twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love your segue. Thank you. Right on into Sister Circle. Sister because Circle. that is such an amazing platform. Tell us about how it came about, and then, you know, what makes you all so different from, I guess, the other talk show or panel yeah, type yeah. shows that are already on television so you remember that time you know in, early in the conversation when I said I'm going to start this cool sore podcast so God had been telling me like everything that you need to go to the next level I've already given you yeah. so stop waiting on other people and so the same week that I posted on Instagram that I was starting this podcast you know coming soon was the same week I got a call from the creator and executive producer of Sister Circle said she was looking for talent in Atlanta to produce a talk show and I was like God, you know I want a talk show so bad. <laughs> like, I literally study Wendy. I studied The View. I looked at The Real. Like, I'm like, that's me. And you spoke it a long time ago. Right. You said that earlier in yes. the conversation. I'm getting out. I'm going to be a talk show. Host. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so I, I I, said, okay. But, you know, a, a lot in entertainment, you're, you become so disappointed because you have so many ups and downs. Everybody got shows. We went you to audition. I've been to so many auditions that never came to. I've been. To, I've been. I've shot movies that never came to light. Like all of this stuff. So I've been yeah. so jaded in the industry. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay. And literally, it, we we auditioned. They picked us. We shot the pilot. They shopped it for an entire year, and then we got picked up last summer. So I was still just really honing my skills on my podcast or whatever. Just preparing myself really in the in the gym like just wanted to sh I wanted to be ready yeah when it was time to go and I was yeah nice. yeah and it's been great yeah I, I really enjoy it like the individuals you have on another HBCU grad yes. uh, quad with uh -huh. and you got Selena Johnson who I super love and yes. comedian um Kiana Dancy yes so I love just the dynamic between you two so mm -hmm. what what do you get, feel that is different yeah, yeah different. I didn't answer that question sorry about that um we are different. Have you ever seen an, an African-American panel? All African-American women? Nope. Not really. No. Not on, um, uh, on television like that. And I think that we bring a very unique perspective because when people see us and listen to us, uh, they realize, even if you're another culture, because it's not just for black women, right. you realize that we're more alike than we are different. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're able to showcase that. And another thing that I love about our show is that we're not this overly journalistic pulled up show and we're talking all of these amazing and we're not going to be as as sharp and articulate as you know you may see on another show right but what we are we are real mm -hmm. and i think that's what people like yeah you know oh you know we may child girl you know but that's how you talk to your girls that's true you know we are we're pulled up when we need to be like you know i'm pulled up when i need to be but i'm hood when i need to be too like i just and there's that's the beauty of being black and knowing how to code switch yeah um but I think that's what makes us different. Uh, we're just as real as they come. And and we're very responsible with our platform, too. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I always say God, but I told God when I was 23, 
or when I was left as assistant, we must have been in a Walmart. Stuff I just remember vividly. I told God whenever he gave me the platform, I was going to be very responsible with it. Yeah. So I am very responsible with the platform because everybody doesn't get to do this. That's true. And everybody, when they do get certain things, they don't take the responsibility seriously. There, there's a girl in Augusta or Arkansas or, or, or Saginaw, Michigan, that are looking at you and seeing how you do what you do. Mm-hmm. And people are t- tied to that obedience of you being responsible with the platform. You never know something that I say or something Selena says or Quad or Kiana says that could change someone's life. Right. So we have to be responsible with that. And I take that very seriously. Yeah. I really do. I love that. And it shows um, with you guys' dynamic. I mean, I think there's a real empowerment-like factor yeah. that happens Thank amongst you. you guys on the show. And that's something that I really, really like, too. Thank you. So... You you touched on it just a little bit um, about, you know, film school and, you know, movies that you've been a part of that haven't, you know, come out or yeah. have come out. But you're also an actress. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about being multi-passionate because yeah. I think that's something that people try to, like, make it seem like you can't be. That yeah. you can't have several passions and several things that you're interested in in mm-hmm. life. So how do you wade through that? So... TV is my, like, that's my baby. Like, I love television. Whether I, you know, eventually, eventually I want to be on a funny sitcom. Like, I can see myself on a blackish or something like that. Like, but right now, the space that I'm in is uh, television. Television has always been, you know, kind of my number one. But I had to come to that. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to do a whole lot at one time. And what I don't want to do with acting is there's so many people out there who are some of my you know, acting friends that really, really are into it and take it seriously. They take their classes. They do everything. They, they are on auditions every day. They are fighting the good fight. And I don't want to play around with that. I don't want that. I don't want it to be like, oh, let me go on an audition when I haven't been doing the work. Right. I don't want to fill up that space because that's not fair to me. It's not fair to the fellow, you know, a fellow actor if I'm not as sharp as I need to be. So um, I'm saying all that to say, like, you got to be, I was trying to do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's just, everything was just all right. Right. But now that I've focused on not just one thing, but just kind of just focusing on Sister Circle and my podcast and just growing that, all those other things will fall into place. But I, I don't ever want anyone to leave this earth and not having tried it. My, one of the things I say all the time is, if God placed it on your heart, how dare you not try? Yeah. Like, you got to at least try. Like, you got to say, okay, he must have given me this or this. the universe told me this for some reason. So... You're not going to try like you're not going to die like one bit. Like you got to go out there and you got to push and you got to try. So, yeah, do it all, but then be smart about it. Nice. Yeah. I love that. You know what's so funny about you saying that? What? I literally have that quote like down here because I was going to ask you about it. Ah, yes. Because <laughs> it like stuck with yeah, me. I love explore it. everything. So what advice do you have for students or college students or just people? Your who hair is the- gorgeous. I'm so sorry. I keep looking at it. Oh. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes. Um, what kind of advice do you have for students or people who aren't even students? Because especially in this space, we are realizing it's not something you necessarily have to have a degree yeah, no. uh, to be a part of. So what um, kind of advice do you have for them on that journey? It's a marathon, not a sprint. I think, uh, like, you know, in the beginning of the interview, I was like, yeah, I'm supposed to be on TV. I'm 21. I'm supposed to be doing it. You know, I, I equate my life to how 
people or how architects or builders build homes. Mm-hmm. You know, the ground, whether you have a basement or not, you know, th- those things have to be built out, electricity, plumbing, all of that, like all the things that go on un- underneath. And I equate that underneath building to all of the radio, um, movies, and all of those things that I got to this point. So I now believe my slab is so solid. Mm-hmm. Now I'm building my house. But you got to build beneath Meaning you got to have a foundation before you can build your home. And so I feel like my foundation is so solid. I'm very comfortable with who I am. I'm very confident in who I am. Took me a while to get there. So my thing when I speak to people, when when I'm a a guest on podcasts, a guest anywhere, is if I can take five to ten years off of your life by the way that I told you I had to live mine. Like, hey, take off those ten years by doing it differently from me. Then then my job is done. But for me. My house is just being built because the foundation is solid. And everybody's journey is different. We just got to stop looking at other people like, oh, my gosh, she's here or he's there. Your journey, like your fingerprint, is your own. Mm. So I bought my first house with my husband at 41. I really wanted our first house together to be in our 20s. You know, we had a condo. We had a townhouse. But, like, home. And in my mind, we were married at 27. We should have had all of that. Pick a fence, everything. Big car, two two kids by 30. According (laughs) to society. We had our first child at 31. Our second child at 34. Bought our first home together at 41. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for some people, that's like, oh, my God, that's so late. That's my journey. Yeah. And, it's just me. And so when people understand that it's a marathon, not a sprint, you got to put in the work and let your journey, like your fingerprint, be your own. And that's it. If I can give any advice to the good folk, not even just young folks, just people in general, yeah. that could, because that's has, that has been my story. Everything that happened, I go into film school, all these different jobs, I could not have this conversation had I not gone through that. And that's what is underneath the slab. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So we're going to switch gears just okay. a little bit. We're going to talk about giving. Mm-hmm. And that's something I know you're very familiar with, um, especially because you have a nonprofit. I do. So tell us a little bit about your nonprofit um, and the type of work that you do with your nonprofit. So in 2006, I started or founded Sporty Girls Incorporated. And our mission is to introduce girls to, particularly minority girls, to swimming, soccer, tennis, golf, and lacrosse. As I mentioned, I'm a swimmer. I went to college on a full swimming scholarship. Um, Swimming was obviously physically beneficial to anyone who swims, but the relationships Mm -hmm. that I was able to cultivate uh, from the time I was 5 to 21, I still have friends. They relay team, record-breaking relay team. We broke our first record when we were 9. Oh, wow. Those women were in. We just lost one to cervical cancer, but um, all of those women were in my wedding. Mm-hmm. And one still coaches with sporty girls, and she's going to teach my daughter how to swim. This, you know, just since you were younger. Yes, oh, we've wow. been together, and we went to co- for all four of us on that relay team went to college on swimming scholarships. Two went to FAMU, one went to Howard, and one went to Georgia Southern. Nice. So, I know what sport can do mm-hmm. outside of just the game, and I'm so glad that my daughters are in sports because it just teaches you about life, literally how to fall down and get back up, like in the literal and the figurative sense like literally knowing how to do that and so that's why I wanted to start Sporty Girls so we've served over a thousand girls uh, in and around the metro Atlanta area through our camps, our clinics our conferences like everything, we literally had a board meeting last night about two events that we're about to put on grants we're going up for so we've been in existence 
12 years now, I guess. Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. It's the, the nonprofit world is very hard. Yeah. Life is hard. Good God. <laughs> but you got to smile through and That's know that I you're hear. helping people. Great. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, especially for uh, women in, in sports. It's, it's, it's one of those places where you don't always get pushed into a lot of times yeah. as a young woman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's good that your organization exists and has tons of life skills that they can yes. share. Yes, yes, absolutely. Part of it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I just believe that giving is the rent we pay for living. Like, if you're not giving, what are you doing? Absolutely. Seriously, what are you doing? There's always someone or s- that need that who needs help a smile whatever mm-hmm. it, your form of giving is do yeah. that because like if you you keep it all to yourself oh, okay that's right. how you roll okay i see <laughs> i don't want to be in and i, I want to be with people who give yeah and that's what our organization is all about that's what the foundation of all of this sororities and fraternities are about but just not even that yeah you know do good that's it. Yeah, just do good <laughs> just out do here good. in this world. Right, no matter what you do, just do well, good. Well, since we're still talking about doing good, giving all that stuff in that vein, yes. Um, you know, with HBCUs, that's one of the things we really try to drive home yes. because you know our giving numbers aren't always where they should be. I know. Based on um the 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 number of alumni we have, but talking about giving, what does giving back to FAMU look like for you? Yeah, um, I'm a part of the, they have a 10 for 10, which is like a $10 a month type of thing. Of course, Mm -hmm. I pay my alumni dues every year. I'm going down to speak to the Palm Beach County uh, Alumni Association Gala for scholarship scholarship gala. I'm the guest, I'm the keynote speaker in June. Um, So, and I go back to the School of Journalism every homecoming, and I went down for another event Uh, a couple of years ago it was like a women's empowerment um, um, event but I wear FAMU on my chest I do I talk (laughs) about it on Sister Circle I as much exposure as I can get to to my school give to my school I do and so I give in obviously monetarily but also giving uh, as far as making sure people understand not that that I just love FAMU Mm -hmm. but what it did for me and the importance of HBCU. So I give love to, I love that we have these friendly rivalry, ri- <laughs> rivalries between like us and BCC and right. Howard and Hampton. I love all of it. Honey, let me tell you something. Me and my friends, we do a whole HBCU tour, homecoming uh-huh. tour. We had the Morehouse, we had Spellhouse kicking it. <laughs> we're like, we're going to Spellhouse, what time? We go, what time? What time? So we are always supporting and, and being amongst that is nothing like that. It, it, it gives you the feeling of what black folks probably were like prior to integrate, uh, prior to integration. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. before we, although it was a gr- you know a great thing for us, we became well. Was it great? <laughs> That's people, up for debate, it's right? It's up for debate. It's up for debate. We just were better as a people prior to. Right. We, stu- we really, really stuck together. Yeah. The we, camaraderie. The camaraderie. We, we supported each other's businesses. The men wore suits. Women wore dresses. We looked clean everywhere we went. That's yeah. what HBCUs <laughs> make me feel like when I'm in the midst of especially a big event or something like that. I just, I could cry. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So... With all that you've done for, you know, your alumni association and giving, what would you do? Well, what would you say Mm -hmm. to 
and one of your fellow fellow rattlers or friends or anybody who hasn't really been stepping up and giving, what kind of advice would you give to them to give to your your uh, well, alma mater? Well, somebody gave for them to have gone to school in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So you got to continue to pay it forward. That's it. That's it. And then we, you know, we can't complain about this looming cloud that says, you know, fam, you will be no longer. Yeah. When we really we are at the core of its success, mm -hmm. the the alumni. Um, so we just have to make that much more of a priority, um, and it kind of an in-your-face type of thing. Yeah. Um, so, and every little bit counts. That's the thing. I think when people think of giving, they think of, uh, I don't have enough to make an endowment. No, <laughs> let me get $100 a month <laughs> right. or $10 a month, you know. Every little bit counts. Just a little consistent yeah. gift. Mm -hmm. Nice. So you talked a little bit about uh, it, Spell House, the camaraderie, uh, going, you know, mm -hmm. on the little tour together with your friends. But as it relates to FAMU, what are some of your best favorite memories uh, from your years in Tallahassee? <sighs> Girl, I got a name like a few. I, I can't, like <laughs> all four years were just amazing. And did, I don't think you realize how amazing the time is. And, and it's, it's like retrospectively, like, did I just have the best time of my life? <laughs> like, you think about it later. Let's think. Let me think. Well, wow. Uh, best times. I just remember one day in particular, I was the queen of orange and green, which is like the spirit person. And you're voted on. You're on the Miss Fam. You're in court. And so I, I was really happy to have gotten that. I'd be voted on by the student body to, to um, take on that position. But I was also obviously very active. So I remember I went to swim practice that morning and we swam five, six miles. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to obviously go to class. And then I was a stepmaster. Okay. And so this was during the time where I was kind of changing how we stepped at FAMU. And I was, you putting know, put some swag on it. I was putting a lemon in it. And uh, we had a step show. And then I actually hosted that event. So I, I was hosting the event as Queen of Orange and Green. And then I was like, hey, hold this. And stepped. Oh, wow. And literally, I think I got up for swim practice the next morning. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> like this is a whole lot. But I just remember that vividly. Like I'm living as a student athlete as a, a person in a sorority and a, you know and or fraternity living a real like student life right and then doing it all over again and i would not change it for anything that's one of the things that not something that happened but one of those vivid moments like mm -hmm. girl you got this and now every time i get overwhelmed i think about that day yeah when you did it all when you did it all so that's that's one of the moments and obviously you know becoming aka and really bringing be bringing in an amazing line in, in, in spring 97 and uh I was just, I did a lot. Yeah. I can't even, like, give you, like, five. <laughs> just, it, I did a lot. And I, I tried it by great, asking you just a few. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's a great time. I had a great experience. Well, we're going to pause there just for a little bit and talk about the illustrious Alpha Kappa Alpha yes. Um I know there you definitely have some memories um, and and probably, you know, yeah. a lot that you can share. Well, yeah. But uh, what are some of your most fond memories with your sorors at FAMU? Yeah. Well, most fond, um, obviously, um, Beta Alpha chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha founded in 1932. Um, it really grew me in areas that I didn't even know were possible of, of, of growth mm -hmm. um, because I am such a leader. Uh, I did not, let me be careful, I did not want, I wanted to make sure the next line had 
the experience that our founders, especially Ethel, thought would be everyone's experience. Mm-hmm. And so me, along with a lot of my line sisters who were at actually the president and vice president, and we wanted to make sure that um, they got the best. Right. And they did. I'm very proud of that. That's one of my fondest moments when they came up on the yard in 1997. I, it, w- it was 21 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I just, it still brings tears in my eyes because, you know, we didn't get to, we didn't have a probate show. And so wow. to be able to have 41 women that you know loved AKA just mm-hmm. as much as you did and give them what you didn't, yeah, that's beauty in that. Absolutely, it's beauty in that, and uh, it's not about probate. It's not about that. It's just the, it's the underlying thing, and so that's what leadership is all about. You don't repeat cycles; mm-hmm. you break them and you make them better. And I think that's what we did. So that's that made me into such a woman, such a leader, and why I'm active in my grad chapter now, just to make sure that. I believe everybody deserves a great experience, and everybody's experience is going to be different. Absolutely, that's life. But under my tutelage and under my watch, yeah, I wanted it to be better for the next group of women, and they will hands down tell you that it was. I love that. You can ask any forty-one of them. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And you just kind of spoke to to one of the things I don't think people always uh, think about when they think about sororities. They automatically go to all the fun stuff, but you know they're teaching you how to be leaders. They're teaching you yes. how to conduct business. There's so much that's happening that yes. really goes into who you become in As, this world. Absolutely, and and learning how learning like real sisterhood. Yeah, because. You're not going to always be in, uh, you, you and your sister are not going to always agree on things, but right. you got to learn how to work it out and be, you know, all these different things. And I, I am forever grateful to Beta Alpha for, for so many things. Um, but growing me as a woman is one of the greatest things I'm, 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 I'm most thankful for. Nice. Yeah. So speaking of lessons, what lessons or skills did you learn while at FAMU that you believe you probably couldn't have learned anywhere else? Well, especially in the School of Journalism then. Now they have this big building with all of this technology and all that kind of stuff <laughs> back in the day, honey. But VHS. And you know, do you even know what a VHS is? I'm very familiar. Okay. All right. <laughs> so VHS, learning how to edit on uh, input, output, and literally Real to non-linear. real, non-linear, all of that. Yeah. So we did in rate in um, radio editing. We had tape, like real to real. You had to splice, splice. the tape and tape it. I've seen that, but you I've never it? done it. Right. That's was this was still in the nineties. This was late nineties. Yeah. Like you see about the 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 the, the um, how technology has has advanced. But I learned because we didn't have a lot. Mm-hmm. You got to do your best with what you have. You got to do your best with what you have. If somebody rented out the tripod and you needed to shoot your story, I'll tell you how my steady cam hand is on this <laughs> right shoulder, though. The way I pan right and left. Like, I learned because there wasn't a lot of resources there. Right. There weren't a lot of resources at FAMU then. Now it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But it, it taught me how to just pick up and do what you need to do in the drop of a dime and, and with very minimal resources. I, what? What? Oh, we could do that. That's nothing. Let's go. Damn, you taught me that. Love that. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do just some quick rapid fire Uh-oh, questions. Oh, rapid fire. Yeah, but very, very, very quick and easy. Okay. Who is your favorite professor? <sighs> professor. That's good. Oh, God. God. 
probably Professor Jones. He didn't play. <laughs> and when I was uh, doing my thing in Spring '95 online, and I made a C in his class, he was like, "I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't even care anything about that." But Professor Jones was pretty fantastic. God, it was so long ago. I'm trying to think. I see this lady in my English what was a night, Lord. But Professor Jones is, is the one I think of. Okay. Yeah. Next one. Uh-huh. What was your favorite thing about the city of Tallahassee? <laughs> uh, I just love that it was a college town. You had Florida State, you had uh, Tallahassee Community College, and FAMU. And I love that it was a college town. I, and I'm one of those people that loves hot weather. Mm-hmm. You talking about hot? Tallahassee was hot. I love, I love the heat in Tallahassee. It's crazy, yeah. but I loved it. Nice. Yeah. And um, this one's kind of random, but I felt like because you know we're in Atlanta and you're Atlanta born and bred. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite rapper? <gasps> Andre Three Thousand. Okay. But right now, I'm feeling Drake, Drake, man. And it's all right. I mean, Drake (laughs) is like the bomb. He's so amazing lyrically. I like him. But Andre 3000, like, hands down. And Jeezy, too, though. Okay. Because I'm... That's the hood part. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Love Jeezy. Nice little cross. Yeah, yes. Okay. So we're going to wrap it on up. Mm -hmm. Um, But the one, the last thing I want to ask you, well, there's actually, it's a two-parter. One, will your kids be attending HBCUs? We would love that. And they love going to homecoming. My daughters are 11 and 8. They've been to two family homecomings. Every year they feel like they need to go to homecoming. I'm like, (laughs) ma'am, I need my time to hang out. Um, We want them to really consider an HBCU we know that things are changing um I really do want them to yeah but I will not be opposed you know I'll be mad you know and you'll support it but I'll support it but I'm like I just want you to know what you're gonna miss out on I'm just telling you I know people are you know people who are in a black student union at their colleges and stuff I'm not trying to shade anybody Mm -hmm. but I'm like black student union is not (laughs) an entire HBCU I'm so sorry to tell you this just not but you know hey if they do i'm going to support them but i will be getting applications to howard and famu and a&t and like all of these schools just to see you may get a full ride honey you never know right so yeah now if you could encourage any student to attend either famu or an hbcu what would you say the hbcu experience is incomparable you will not regret it a day in your life I don't. If someone gave me a million dollars to this day, then I would love a million dollars. Say, hey, Rashawn, we need you to go back in life and like change the school you went to, change the whole. Nope. Mm. I would not change one thing about my experience at FAMU. One, not one. Love it. Yeah. All right. Well, what is coming up for Rashawn Ali that we should be on the lookout for? Well, Sister Circle Live is on TV every day, Monday through Friday, on TV One nationally at 12 p.m. So please be on the lookout for that. What else do I have going on? Sporty Girls has another event way in October here in Atlanta. Um, excuse me. Uh, what else do I have? It's a lot. Just go to RashawnAli.com. That's where all my information is. Of course, Cool Sora. Make sure you uh, support this podcast as well. But we need a podcast network, especially among black folks, yes. to help support each other. So please make sure you download it. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all of that good stuff. And uh, and we do cool people as well because uh, what I've learned, obviously I want to start off with a niche, but 
people are people, and right. I got my cool sores and I got my cool bras, but I have cool people as well. So, yeah. Nice. And where can everybody find you? You've already mentioned your website, but mm-hmm. yeah, social I'm, media website. Yeah, I'm Rashawn Ali everywhere. R-A-S-H-A-N-A-L-I. Everywhere. Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all of that. I'm the same person. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being my here. Pleasure. Thank you for your time. My we greatly pleasure. appreciate it. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to the HBCU podcast. We have so much more HBCU content on the way, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, and visit us at thehbcupodcast.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the HBCU Podcast. Like us on Facebook. We love you for listening. Until next time.